Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. I'm going to use this in the blooper bit at the end. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> I had one job. One job. Press the button. That's all. That was it. Barry, how many buttons do you push on the planes, man? <laughs> Alright, I'm excited to welcome back longtime friend of the show and the godfather of marketing automation, Mr. Chris L. Davis. How are you, brother? Oh, Barry, I am so ready. Uh, thank you for having me. Always <laughs> you should be ready because it's about the fourth time we tried to record this. <laughs> right. I am ready. <laughs> oh, we're just having too much fun chatting. And yeah, I was the bonehead that forgot to hit the record button. So uh, so we are starting this again, which is why we're giggling our silly little heads off. But I'm excited to have Chris back. Uh, it's always great to talk marketing automation and just strategy in general with Chris. And if you're uh, listening to this podcast uh, in the distant future, we are in the midst of the coronavirus zombie apocalypse lockdown at the moment. Uh, and just about everyone's being challenged in one form or another, uh, whether they've you know lost customers or worse yet, lost their job. Uh, and kind of seeing two two camps out there, the panic camp, you know, where people are clutching their pearls and wringing their hands uh, and the pivot camp where people are seeing the opportunities that are out there uh, and pivoting their business or starting some new ones. So uh, chaos always brings with it opportunity. Uh, I prefer to look where the opportunities are and I'm sure most of you do as well. So you might be in the, in, in the position where you need to either pivot your business or you need to up the revenue of your business, or maybe you need to start a new business because you've lost your job or you've seen the vulnerability of being an employee and depending on someone else for all your income uh, from one single source. So Chris and I want to get together and talk about uh, strategy uh, and how you can get started and all those things, how you can get started pivoting your business, how you can get started uh, upping your side hustle, or how you can get started just building a new business from scratch. So you would never just run to the hardware store, grab a bunch of timber and start building something without having a blueprint. So today we're going to talk about the blueprint a little bit uh, and nobody better to talk to about uh, strategy and automation strategy in particular than Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Man, Barry, this is a, this is, this is therapeutic for me, <laughs> um, uh, mainly because it's an opportunity to give value. And the reason why it means so much is not just because it's with you. It's because, you know, I've I've been on both sides of this spectrum and have had two totally different responses. You know, I lost my job as an engineer about eight years ago, maybe 10. I haven't I lost count um, and it was thrown into immediate despair. You know, a lot of people believe that know me well. They think that I was born with a computer in my hand, you know, computing logic and all of this stuff. But there was a point in time, Barry, I did not know about any of this business Internet stuff. You know, yeah. like I, I, the world existed and I did not exist in it. You know, everything was happening and I was unaware. So when I lost my job, I was like, you know, with with uh, two miles to three miles to feed and four miles to feed <laughs> a wife and three kids. I was just like, it was the most depressing time. You know, I, I didn't know how to pivot. 
I didn't know how to make the adjustments. I wasn't positioned to be able to transition. Um, and it was a very dark time. And and I didn't. I, I can't say I pivoted. I, I panicked and, <laughs> you know, I got depressed and all of that. And then you fast forward it to more recently, I had the opportunity to lose my job. And then I I was positioned to pivot. Right. So I was able to take advantage of the work that I had done prior, all of the bricks and foundation that I had laid in my business as a as a as a thought leader, influencer and, and just an expert in the space of marketing automation. So now when I see people uh, panic, I'm, I'm empathetic. When I see them pivot, I'm empathetic. And, and today I feel like we're going to have a mix of listeners. So just know I am speaking from both <laughs> from both of those areas, what does it take to never have to panic again, right? And forever be able to pivot quickly to whatever the market does. That's that's the angle. That's the perspective um, that all of my training comes from. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see. I mean, I've I've been in positions in the past where you know I've been made redundant, and it does. It feels like a kick in the guts or a punch in the face. And it's you can either reel from that and lay down on the mat, or you can put your hands up and start swinging. So. Uh, you know, we're here to help you try and have the tools to start swinging. And it's been really interesting watching watching the reactions of different businesses and different people as well. And it's it's been really encouraging because there's there's been those biz- businesses that have that almost immediately started to pivot. You know, like restaurants go to takeaway. <laughs> and I saw this story yeah. where you know the strip clubs have been closed down, and now the strippers have gone <laughs> have gone to the restaurants to do the deliveries for the restaurants. Right? Like it's. <laughs> There, there's, you know, there's people who have survival skills and people who don't, but, um, uh, and, and a really interesting one, a former guest on the show, uh, Dan Norris, who used to run a company called WP curve, which was a, a WordPress, uh, services business. And he, he since had sold that, uh, years ago, uh, and then started a brewery here in Queensland with some friends of his and, you know, that business has been devastated by the by all the shutdowns. So there's no restaurants, uh, no cafes, no pubs uh, getting their product. So uh, he just put a post in one of his Facebook groups about how he, you know, he had another group called the Seven Day Startup where he was p- teaching people how to do startups. And he has a book called The Seven Day Startup, which is quite good if you're, you know, ties in with what we're talking about today, how to get up and running and pivot quickly. Um, so they, he put together a little mobile website, turned it into an app where people can order their, you know, their beer from directly from the brewery. All their sales reps are out on the road, you know, who are out of a job now they've turned into delivery people. And within like the first 48 hours, they've done, you know, like 5,000 business of direct, you know, brewery to home delivery. Uh, so it's, it's really cool to see people just go, right, pull up the bootstraps, pivot, uh, and and look for, look for the opportunity in the chaos. So it's refreshing to see and, and. And we want to help you, the listener, try and do that as well. Yeah. So, you know, as we said, it, it it really pays to invest in having a blueprint first. You would never hire a builder who just comes and starts building a house for you without having a blueprint. It would be yeah. it's a ridiculous proposition. But I see so many people do that with their business. They grab a tool like Active Campaign or Infusionsoft or whatever. They crack it open, uh, you know, and they start building automations and they're excited and hooking up. Uh, you know, payment cards and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, oh, ho, 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 slow down. Like, uh, what are we building here? What are we building here? And, it, you know, and then even worse, you go back six months later and none of it makes any sense anymore because there was never in a blueprint to begin with. Yeah. So I know, so Chris, I know you, you do a lot of this kind of work with a lot of people, you know, you know that really kind of 
the nucleus of the business and, or, you know, coming in and, and really putting a magnifying glass on the processes in the business uh, and setting up the strategy for people. So if people are looking to pivot or they're looking to review their business or they're looking to start a brand new one, uh, what's your advice? Where's the first place to start? Yeah. And, and usually uh, what happens is as they're making this pivot, it's done under the advice of like a coach that they're working with or an influencer or somebody that's telling them, which leads them to some technology. They're like, hey, my yeah. coach told me to get this this uh, yeah. autoresponder. My coach told me to get these landing page software. This is that help me get this thing going and, and, and X, Y, Z. And, and when I say this, everybody listening, um, the, the technology has leveled the playing field. So I have seen no difference, Barry, in, in, in uh, smaller enterprises making 55 million annually and the small business making 5,000 monthly 60K annually in the, com- the, the maturity and, and sustainability of systems in place. Like both businesses, <laughs> although revenue is extremely different, both seriously lack strong systems, right? So I don't trust anybody, Barry. I don't look at anybody's balance sheet, profit and loss statement and say, okay, well, you must know what you're talking about. Experience has told me everybody has blind spots, especially in the process of extracting a strategy so that you can build a system around it to execute it automatically, right? So the first thing I do, Barry, is I look at, I look at their computer screen or I listen to them talk about all of these tools and I turn it off. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Close, close the computer. I log them out and say, well, I'm glad that you know how to buy software. <laughs> you know, checkbox. Check. <laughs> we know, <laughs> right? You figured that out. You won't need that skill <laughs> for this exercise. And what I'm what I'm trying to do is uh, what I alluded to earlier is I need to extract your strategy. Now, here's where mature or I should say more traditional businesses really outshine online businesses. And a lot of people think it's the other way around. But when I sit down with a traditional business owner and they start and I just start asking them questions, you know, hey, how are you? How are you attracting? uh, How you how how are you uh, creating question marks and attracting those question marks to what you have to offer? Right. Like who how are you raising that? Hmm, what is that? Who does that? Right. And then coming to you. And then when they do come to you, how are you capturing their information? Once you capture their information, how do you follow up with them? Right. And once you follow up with them, where are you taking them? Like what what is this the sales event? How does the transaction take place? And then w- once they're at the sales event, how are you closing? Right. Is it in person? Is it online? Is it, you know, whatever. And then after after you've closed and they've converted over to a customer, how are you delivering? And essentially, Barry, I'm walking them through the fundamental five systems. I teach on this in my master class, but I'm walking them through those fundamental five systems and the answers to those questions now begin to start outlaying the strategy, even if they've never seen their strategy in one collective place. They now have a start to it and I can start to poke in poke and prod at it, right? Poke holes and start to really dig in deeper and say, mm, okay, so you said uh, you're generating traffic from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Which one Which one is is, is, is generating the highest quality lead? Oh, well, well, all of it. We did. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be all of it. There's one. Yeah. The data, yeah. you know, all sources are not equal. So I, I like to walk through that process, just, just going through the foundational systems because they exist in every business. And the answers to them. So if if you if you're in a traditional business, like a service based business 
you know these processes like the back of your head. And I love it because they can just sit down and, and it's almost like therapy. I'm I'm like the therapist with a notebook <laughs> yeah, and, and they're like the, the client on the couch with their feet up. Well, yeah. you know, once they come to our website, this is what we do. And, you know, and I'm just documenting it all. That is the absolute first step before I do anything, anything. And, and it's absolutely required. Yeah, for sure. And and not just required once. It's something that should happen periodically. You know, if you've been in an, if you go into an yeah. existing business that's been running for a while and you start extracting, it's like, okay, yeah, at this point with a customer, we do this step and then we do this step and then we do this step. And it's like, well, why, why, why are we doing that? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And a lot of the time the answer is like, oh, we've just always done that, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yes. yeah. And, and, and it may be that the reason they were doing step X was, no longer exists. You know, the technologies yeah. change or the customers change or the products change. You don't even need to do that anymore. Um, so yeah, if you're going to do this, think about, you know, uh, if you have an established business or an established process, you absolutely document all those five steps that we talked about. You know, how do you gain interest? How do you capture interest? How do you follow up uh, with people who are interested? How do you get them to show up for your sales event? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, what was the last one? Convert and then deliver. Yeah. How do you convert and deliver? So, uh, but if, if you don't have any of that in place, you know, you, you're trying to come up with a new business model or trying to come up with a new business. Uh, you can, you can kind of extract that by thinking about the customer journey, right? The customer journey is always you trying to take a customer from one point to another point that they yeah. desire to get, they desire to get to. Right. So yep. easiest ones to think about is like maybe a fitness center or a gym. Someone's coming in flabby and out of shape. The result that they want is is to be fit and you know and and look good and uh, so how do we get them from point A to B uh, and how do we get them to trust us that we're the ones to take them on that journey right yeah. so um, once you've got that customer journey in place then those five fundamentals that Chris talked about uh, you can start to extract that stuff out of the customer journey if there isn't a predefined one already yeah so what tools are you using for this chris what uh, how are we how are we extracting and documenting all this stuff yeah because you know what's interesting about the customer journey that that i always have to let people know is that you know product market fit is the willingness for someone to even go on your journey yeah right sure. <laughs> like you could have the most beautiful journey laid out and planned out and say, oh my gosh look at this thing it's beautiful but if there's no product market fit there, which means what you're offering does not solve an immediate need, an immediate pain, right? Then they'll never buy the ticket to get on that journey. So it, it, it really begins with that, right? So whenever I'm thinking of, you know, creating this journey, I, got, I have to make sure, say, hey, um, tell me about your product. And if they can't describe the benefits of their product, you know, within, within a 30 seconds or so, like if I can't get it. If it takes them 30 minutes to tell me all of the great things that this product can do. And, you know, then I ask them who it's for and they, they're like, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, the journey Mate, doesn't unless matter. It's, <laughs> unless, it's toilet, unless it's toilet paper, it's not for everybody. <laughs> right. Toilet paper right now. <laughs> right now is an immediate need. You know? right. So and, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, Barry, because market shifts. Right. So. It's it's market shifts play a role into the product market fit, just being in tune with what's going on. So everything with the coronavirus has really shifted the world 
Now things that weren't as, as tight of a product market fit are. So that's your job, you know, as the CEO of your business is to always have a pulse on the product market fit, where the market is going and where you need to shift your product. And when you have that, you're you're ready, right? You've you so so let's do our checkbox, right? We've turned off the technology. We've we've sat down and and we we pulled out uh, some some tools to do some mapping, right? So um, you're asking questions, and somehow you're you're collecting the answers to those questions. For me, it's a moleskin um, or whiteboard. Some people oh, yeah. like to do it right into the app. I would never. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I bet you between the both of us, Barry. We probably have enough moleskins to fill up like a good library shelf or two. <laughs> Absolutely. Moleskin for the win, brother. I don't go anywhere without that. Um, oh, man. I feel naked. I really do. I can leave yeah. my house and leave my wallet and be and get to my destination and be like, dang it, I forgot my wallet. Let me leave without my moleskin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get down the street. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, so um, it's just the easiest way to capture, right? So we we turn off technology. We're capturing. We're we're documenting strategy. So for many of you, this may be the first time that that person, that client, you've extracted the process from their brain. It's it's been all in their head, and they've never seen it. So so now you've got it documented. You see the the strategy, um, but you don't trust it. It's now here. Here's where the marketing the marketing professional's job comes in. You just got the brain dump. And before and for you to craft this customer journey, you have to start identifying the areas that can be optimized as well as the low hanging fruit. Right. Because like you said, Barry, success isn't isn't sexy and and the process is often boring and painful. Right. So what we have to do is kind of like how, how you uh, do do your kids is you say, hey, look. We're going to have this great big meal, everything that you want on. It's going to taste nice, good and sweet. And then sneak in some vegetables on the side, (laughs) (laughs) sneak in the good stuff. Um, That's what you have to do with with entrepreneurs. A lot of times that aren't willing to go through the process. There are some that are, but you have to give them that quick win while you're still strategy, uh, cleaning up the strategy and building out the customer journey. So what I like to do is after I've extracted the strategy, I like to provide them with a quick win, wet their whistle, you know, give them something to be like, hey, it's already working, (laughs) you know, and buy time to really create the customer journey. And you ask the tools, the main tool I'm trying. I was thinking about this, Barry, ever since you sent me the email. Is there another tool that I use? And the only other option of this tool would be like on paper. You know, maybe I would draw it on paper. But I like to go after I've got it uh, written on paper. So there's actually two steps on paper. I write it down on paper. Um, and, and when I say write it down, it's like bullet points, boxes and arrows. So it is not like I'm writing. You won't be able to read it, but you'll be able to comprehend it because it's arrows everywhere and, and shapes and all of that. So then what I'll do is I'll usually take that and clean it up on paper if, if so. But I've gotten so good at taking my notes that I can just go straight from paper into the computer and I'm, I'm firing up lucid chart, man. Um, at the point of this recording, it is the, the best flow chart software that I've used. I have been approached (laughs) by some, uh, potential builders of new. So that may change going forward. Um, but I'm in lucid chart. I am in lucid chart trying to digitize this thing because what, what is the digital representation of the strategy that you just extracted? It's a blueprint. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is the blueprint, right? So if any of you are thinking, what does Barry mean by a blueprint? It's that it's the visual representation of what needs to be implemented so when, when we're talking about marketing and sales. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I think, I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Moleskine Notebook as well. I think tools, when you're in that capture process and the brainstorming process, tools get in the way of that creative process because you, you, you have to interrupt your mind, your, your mindset or your train of thought and go, oh, what, what, what icon do I need here? Or what menu is that yes. control on? And, and that just breaks your train of thought. Whereas you can, you know, you can vomit it all out in a stream of consciousness onto a piece of paper. Um, yeah. And you're right. It doesn't have to be anything onerous. Uh, it, it's bullet points, boxes, squares, customer flows. And then you can put that into a tool. You know, the downside of the, the Moleskine notebook is it's hard to share, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's hard to it's hard to keep for posterity. Like, you know, like you said, I got about 40 in the drawer next to my desk here. And if I'm looking for some idea I had three years ago, it's kind of hard to find. But yeah. um, and it's hard to share with it with a customer or a client. So you, you need to put it into something eventually, but I, I can't, I found it best not to interrupt the process while it's happening and just write it down either on a piece, either in the notebook or on a whiteboard, if I'm trying to get a customer to visualize something. Um, but, you know, if you want to think about a metaphor that anyone can understand, say you want to build a new house, um, you know, you would sit down with your builder or your architect and they would ask you a bunch of questions. Well, how many kids do you have? Yeah. Is it, you know, is a big yard a priority? Uh, how many bedrooms do you need? How, what's your lifestyle like? You know, do you, do you want a big bedrooms, small bedrooms? Do you want a big open plan living space or lots of different rooms? How much storage do you need? Somebody would extract those, ask those extraction kind of questions. And then the builder's going to go away and draw a floor plan or blueprint and come back and say, look, this is what you told me you want. Are we, is everybody cool with that? And you might go, oh, no, I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the back deck around the side or whatever. And then you can make some changes before. And then, then we can start talking about building something, right? Um, yeah. And if you have to s switch builders midstream or you switch employees or you switch consultants or whatever, you still have that documentation that everybody can go back to and everybody there can go, go. This, is, this is what we started to build. So let's finish building that or, you know, let's pivot and make some changes, but let's make sure that everyone's working off the same page. Yeah. Barry, could you imagine if uh, a builder gave you what they were going to do in like a written document form? Yeah. Bullet, <laughs> bullet points. Some couple of bullet points. We're going to have bedrooms and we're going right. to have <laughs> Right. And even if it was accurate, like, hey, your bedroom is going to be this It's going to be to the west of the master bedroom. The ba master bedroom will be this dimension with the 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 windows facing the west end. You Like it could yeah. be as accurate as possible. But the reason why it's not presented in that like form, 40 page word document. <laughs> right. Is because it needs to be visual for though. Everybody can understand visual. Everybody. Right. Like there is no question. When you see two boxes, one is to the left and one is to the right. And I can't stress. I'm so glad you brought that example up because I can't stress the reality that automation works best when it emulates manual behavior, human behavior. Automation works best when it emulates that. So if we want to build something, what do builders do in the human analog space? Yeah. They create the blueprint from the blueprint. They get the materials and then they start building. So when we take that into the digital space, I'm creating the blueprint from the strategy and, and creating my flow chart. I'm then letting the strategy dictate the tools 
which are my my uh, equipment, the equipment used, and then I'm building. We, Barry, I I I'm not being hard on people because I was that person as well. Technology can be like a drug. Like there needs to be a T-shirt. Technology is a hell of a drug, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it just you can get started. You don't even need money most of the times, right? And you can get that quick high like you're doing something, you know? So I get it and I've fallen into that a lot of times, but as you get mature and you understand where success really comes from, you stop that. You're like, look, I'll get to you technology in a minute. I just need to see what the strategy is telling me. And then once you have the strategy, go ahead. I'm starting, I'm starting a new business. Look at my landing page template. Stop it, Barry. I see it so often. And, and again, everybody, so I guess we should have prefaced this, Barry, but hey, listen, this is a judge-free zone. Um, anytime Everyone's that I speak, you know, I like to say that because I'm going to hit a chord. You're going to be doing something. I'm going to mention something and you're going to be like, oh, that's me. <laughs> like, oh, I did that. Because <laughs> we're speaking from experience, you know. So no judgment. If if you've been doing these wrong steps, for the lack of a better term, up until now, no no harm, no foul. Just do better going forward now that you've heard how to do better. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, we've extracted that process from the customer. We've tweaked it a little bit. And uh, so how are we going to document that and present it back? So you, are you doing that with Lucidchart, you said? Oh man, Barry, I've gotten so so the the best thing that could happen um for me and and also those who whose ears I have and that I influence with with my framework and my process is that since I've since I've been removed, <laughs> involuntarily removed um from from employment, I've had the opportunity to really fine fine tune my framework. And I believe, I believe firmly and and everybody just listen um don't worry i have ways to show you how to do this for my aspiring up and coming automation service providers um but i believe i firmly believe Barry that documentation for systems and automated systems specifically should always be visual dare you ever since give somebody a document that like clearly states in a robust form everything that's happening. I've tried this. I've tried yeah. this. People will look at it. It will impress them. They won't read it. It'll and, make them feel work. good. Exactly. Yes, Barry. It'll make them feel good. They'll be like, whoo, yes, this is everything. It's like a big instruction manual. Yeah. So I don't like to do it that way. What I like to do is emulate furniture, right? When you have furniture, you have various diagrams that are showing you how to put this thing together. So my documentation lives in various visual forms. So the first one is there's various maps. Barry, I don't create just one map where it's just like all the logic is here. I have I have layers. And again, I've perfected this process over time, but I have like a top level map which shows every stage. It's almost like a funnel map that shows every stage. And it just shows like the entry points, the automations in that stage, and then the terminators. This is more so for me. So when I have to review something that's been implemented, I can quickly get up to speed and understand, oh, okay, yep, there's five steps to this one. Each step, okay, these automations go with this step and they're terminated by this. And if they're terminated and they don't proceed to the step below them, this is what happens. I can get all of that from this top level map, Barry, and its shapes and lines and all of that, right? I don't have to read much, right? Then the next one is the logic map. In each of those stages now, what is the logic and decision making that's happening? to make sure that they progress to the next one. 
I treat uh, building out uh, uh, pathways in business. A lot of people call them funnels as just like football. It should be forward progress by any means necessary. Any backwards pro- process should be a penalty because of a penalty. Like you don't want to go back, go backwards. Once they've crossed the 50 yard line, do not let them go back to the, the 40. Right. So once they've crossed from, let's say, lead to MQL, you're never sending them lead information. You're talking right. to them as an MQL until they move forward. Right. So this is all in mind as I'm mapping it out. So we have the logic and now I've got the the top level. I've got the logic chart. Then I have a messaging, <laughs> a messaging map. So I've got the top level map, the logic map, then a messaging map that just shows all of the emails that are going out, the time frame and everything else. Because I don't like to mix messaging on the same map as my logic because it, no, it, it can just get messy, you know? And that's going to change over time more than the process, right? If Absolutely. You find, if you find some messaging that is less than optimal, it's not quite working, you're going to tweak that, you know, so... But the process might not necessarily change very much. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I have that. And there's and, and there's a couple other maps, like an email timeline map, as well as a, um, a email sheet that that connects to the timeline. It's a spreadsheet where it shows all the emails that are going out per audience and per stage, how, however the business needs to see it so that you can see the customer journey. And here's here's what's amazing when I do this. So all of my documentation is visual. All of it is visual. Um, so here's what's amazing. I just walked <clears throat> I walked a client through it because I was helping them get ready for implementation. And um, one of the things that I do is th- they had a traditional process. And whenever the deal or the opportunity is lost, I used a red box and it was a bright red berry like you couldn't miss it. <laughs> Almost like um, Facebook notification red. <laughs> right. It's like you can't not see that notification. And I'm, I'm, I created a Loom video and I delivered it to them so they can ask questions or whatnot. And then we had a call to wrap up everything. And um, w- what happened was they were like, why is there so much red, Chris? How do we get rid of the red? And that's exactly what I wanted them to see, because this is your process. That red, it exemplifies every time there's a decision made that is not in your favor and you have no follow up. There's nothing. And, and, and all that red meant is if I overlaid that red transparently to their pipeline, it was all of the clogs in the pipeline. You, you, they, were, they were building so aspirationally, like everything was a yes. Yep, they'll do this, then this, then this. And when I started mapping it out and said, hey, you know, the opposite of yes is no, right? It happens sometimes, too. Just go talk to your wife. You're right. <laughs> right, but... But I, I couldn't have told them that. But once they saw it, they told themselves that. And yeah. as as experts and consultants and people who implement, that's the greatest thing is when the client looks at your work and realizes they need to do better. You didn't yeah. say anything. You know, they oh, we need to do we need to do something there. So I, I kind of I kind of think about the decision points along the journey. You, you know, there's. Yes, which is the one you're after most of the time, obviously. Uh, no, and not now. Like so, mm, it's that's a good. Not one. a hard no from the customer, right, or the lead. It's like maybe just not now. There's like now's not the right time, but it isn't a hard yeah. no. Like someone say, no, I don't need this. I don't want it. Go away. Leave me alone. Um, but it's like, yeah, maybe in thirty days or ninety days, that might be right for me. So, how do you handle those not nows as opposed to the hard nos? 
I oh Barry, I so I you know this is my first time hearing the not now, and I absolutely love it, man. I absolutely love it. Um, the the not now is what we're usually the 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 broad term that's used is long term nurture. Yeah, right. Like that's normally like the broad stroke that people say, hey, make sure you have a long term nurture for people who aren't ready to make a decision at that point. And and I and I agree with that. Here's one thing that people overlook when when we're talking about decision and branching logic, right? Every decision introduces a new segment, right? right? So if we if we keep it simple to a webinar registration, right? Somebody registered for the webinar, yes, or they didn't. No. Those are two segments. Now, if I continue down the yes branch, attended, yes, n- attended, no. Now I've got two more segments. And sometimes the segment, you know, there, there are so many segments because there's so many decisions. And I'm not saying you have to treat every segment differently. Some of them can be grouped, but it's important to identify every time you're making a decision to ask yourself, is this a new segment that I need to be marketing to differently? And a lot of people don't ask them that don't ask that question. Right. So um, and let me take a, a quick uh, tangent <laughs> here on segmentation. Uh, it's another one of the, the maps that I create. And, and I believe segmentation should take place outside of the tool. I absolutely do, because a tool limits your, your creativity of what you want to happen. So I often talk to people and say, hey, what are the segments? And, and I'm going off of the decisions that I see on the flowchart that I've created. And some of those branches, some of those yes and no's, I'm like, hey, that's an important segment. We need to have some form of follow-up in place for them. So I look at it as follow-up first, then long-term nurture. And and a follow-up, by default, everybody has a follow-up for yes, right? Everybody's like, they do this, they do this. They don't have the follow-up for the no. And if the follow-up for the no doesn't work, then you have the long-term nurture to catch them. It's it's, it's the big net. Yep. All right. So- you're documenting that in all, uh, you know, in Lucidchart for the most part. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a combination. I've got Lucidchart going at this point. <laughs> now that I'm full full fledged in here, um, Lucidchart. I've got Google Sheets. Um, I may have pro- probably introduced Airtable by this time. Um, it's a collective suite <laughs> of visualization software to show not just the visual process, but also the relationship between everything. Um, and and what I'm looking for. Um, and it's only because I don't do implementation anymore. What yeah. I'm, what I'm looking for is to make the implementer's job easy. That's, that's the goal. I, I should, it, it, for all of you listening, um, great documentation will make a zero look like a hero. And I, and what I say zero to hero cause it rhymes, but I, by no <laughs> means, <laughs> me, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean that you are a zero. <laughs> <laughs> listening to this. I'm just saying you don't have to be an expert. And the way that it the, the reason why that's important is because once somebody has created some very strong documentation, it is such an aid to the business owner because now they're not on the line to go and vet for the best builder. Yeah. You know, like they just need somebody that is fluent enough in the tools and on the other side, it gives that person confidence and experience that's implementing it. And that's why I do it this way, because I'm serving both markets, Barry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, I'm thinking about the CEO. You you may have been doing the marketing, but you shouldn't have been. 
you know, yeah. hats off to you for taking on ownership to grow your own business. And then I'm thinking of the implementer that needs to know how to do it right the first time. Yeah. So I'm solving both. I'm solving that problem with both in mind. Um, and are you providing that documentation directly to the client? You're handing that off to them and saying, here you go, washing your hands. See you later. Um, or are you, are you keeping the master? Are you the keeper of the, of the strategy at that point? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and I, I won't lie to you all. I would love to say, Hey, I hand it off as a clean handoff and I'm done. But the reality is um, I hand it off to them. They value it. They're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen documentation like this. This is so clear. This is so, so easy to follow. But they also need implementation. So yeah. I'll often connect them with implementation or I'll provide like some oversight for their in-house implementer as they're building it out so they could have access to me. Say, hey, is this right? Hey, d- does this look good? You know, um, but the goal is for them to have somebody internal to their business that's executing this for them day to day. You can't outsource marketing and you definitely can't outsource automation. So please, everybody, do not try. The goal of everything that I'm doing, all the programs and all the trainings that I have is to produce more automation service providers in the space so that business owners can pick and, and, and bring them in their business and truly scale. That's really the only formula that works. Now, here's the million dollar question. Anybody who's been doing this for 10 minutes quickly finds out <laughs> how does, how do you keep that strategy up to date with what's actually happening in the tools and, and vice versa, you know, cause yeah. you know, you, you, you create this beautiful strategy for someone and you go, here it is. Right. And, and, yeah. and they may actually build that verbatim and say, right, right. We've done all that. But then, you know, two weeks later, two months later, whatever it is, someone goes, oh, if we just tweak this automation here yeah. and branches here yeah. instead of branching there, uh, and now the two don't match. Uh, what's yes. your experience with that? Oh, Barry, it's yeah, so it, discipline is the only answer I have for you. But for I ha- this will help. This will help. Um, and I believe you mentioned this earlier. We've talked so much, Barry. I can't remember if it was on this podcast. <laughs> or what's recorded and what hasn't been recorded. Right. <laughs> right. But you mentioned um, reviewing things quarterly. Yeah. At a bare minimum, you should be reviewing quarterly. And um, the reason why I say you should have somebody in your, a marketer in your business for the day to day is because that's their job. That's their job to catch. Oh, wait a minute. We're not sending this email two days apart anymore. It's three days. Let me update the documentation. It's their job. Now, yeah. um, I I mentor marketers like that's my body of work. And sometimes they need accountability. So I can ask that question on behalf of the CEO. Hey, is your documentation up to date? Because the easiest way to keep it up to date is to do it when you do it. Yeah. You know, like if I just did it in active campaign, let me go make sure my 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 documentation is, is reflects that. If I just did it in entreport, let me go make sure my documentation reflects that. And what you'll see, Barry, watch this, watch this. What you'll see is once you do it enough, it becomes muscle memory. You feel bad when you're just jumping in the tool and you don't have it documented elsewhere. And during the next step, it's a dirty little secret <laughs> you're trying to get. Right. The next step is mastery, Barry. Here's where you know you've approached mastery. You don't even go in the tool first. Oh, you go straight <laughs> to the documentation, update it, and then execute. And the reason why that is mastery and is so powerful because that is a scalable approach that if one day you are no longer the builder, that right. process keeps working. 
Yeah, and here's one thing that's a universal truth. In these kind of situations, especially when the enterprise gets a little bit bigger, there needs to be someone who's the owner of that document and whose ass gets kicked if it's not in order, right? (laughs) Yes. If everyone owns it, then nobody owns it. And it's going to... It's going to become this an antique is what it's going to become. So you remember when we had a strategy document? Oh, yeah. Where's that? <laughs> right? Yep. Um, so someone needs to own that, whether it's the marketer or the CEO or the manager, whatever. There needs to be a designated owner who is responsible for keeping that document current. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right, man. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, we just spent about 35, 40 minutes talking about how you should not pay attention to the tools at all. Uh, but uh, I've heard you talk about Airtable quite a lot, and I've never touched it. So, uh, what's what's Airtable like? What's it for? I've never. I just this is just for me personally because I've never used yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Airtable is uh, spreadsheets, and if you think of uh, Microsoft Excel and then Microsoft Access getting together having a baby, that's right. that's Airtable. It's the, the look of a spreadsheet and the functionality of a database, the reason why I use it and I love it is the relational database connection. So I can connect records and see how things are connected. And, and Barry, so let me, let me preface this. I'm using Airtable and marketing in a way that the tool probably is not supposed to be used and probably many other people don't use it. I think I've broken it in a good way, <laughs> you know, because it's like, how did you do that? Right. Which tends to be my thing. But here's the thing, Barry. It helps me make sure my marketing is consistent. So so let me walk through an example. Like I'll have in an air table, you know, how in a spreadsheet, you can have multiple sheets in within one spread master sheet. So you can have multiple tables within an air table. So one table will be like for actions that I want to record in my CRM. And then another another tab will be for segments. And what I'll do is I'll name all the segments that are in my uh that are in, in, in my application or whatnot. And then I'll link them to all of the actions that people can take to be put in that segment. So now when I click on the segment, Barry, it opens up like a record and I can see all the actions connected to it. Oh, cool. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's a level of connectivity back and forth that allows me to say, Oh, wait a minute, there's a hole. So I'm all about identifying the holes, (laughs) right? No, if you know how to plug a hole, you're not intimidated by it. Right. It's the people that can't plug the hole. (laughs) It's just like, hey, let's ignore it. Let's put a picture over that. (laughs) Right. Let's do it. So that's that's Airtable. And then once you get good with it, um, I also use it for yearly, quarterly and annual, annual, quarterly, weekly, monthly planning, because you can link uh, the year to the quarters and then the quarters to the to the uh, months and the months to the weeks and things like that. It gets very advanced. But um, yeah, absolutely love it, man. And it's it's such a good database of record. When I was at Active Campaign, I used a single Airtable to manage the the production of the entire podcast, man. And it made it so easy. Everybody internally could easily access that and, and, and get the URL from any podcast, not have to go to the website and try to have to search through it. Um, it was great, man. So um, I'm, I'm a strong Airtable advocate. I'll throw another tool out there that operates kind of like Airtable and OneNote in one that I've used a lot for internal documentation. And that's Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N. Um, nobody told me about it. No, I think my, my friend Brandon told me about it. Um, so I tend to use that a lot because you can mix a database and some notes like on the same sheet. So that's very interesting. 
Um, so those are two that I'm using mainly for like internal tracking and database and organization uh, functions. Right. Cool. Yeah. And um, I use my maps a lot as well. Like if I'm, yes. if I'm building out a flow, you know, cause you can kind of have yes, no branching in, in, inside of that as well. And uh, you can have links out to other documents that might have the, you know, the copy for the email or the URL for the landing page or, yep. or whatever. And it's, it's easy to visualize and you can put little, you know, I use MindMeister is the one I use kind of a lot and you can put, you yeah. know, little to-do boxes on stuff and say, right, these are the five things we haven't done yet when it comes to implementation. Love it. Um, uh, you know, here's the URL for that. Here's the URL. For, here's the notes. Here's the goal that we're trying to accomplish with this step. Um, and, and, you know, what we didn't really mention in a lot of this strategy and documentation stuff is when you go back <laughs> like six months from now, nine months from now, 12 oh months from now, goodness, and you're just in the tool, like no one's done the strategy stuff and you're just in the tool and no one's documenting the strategy. Good luck. Good luck, mate. Good luck. Um, good, <laughs> good luck figuring luck. out what the hell's going on. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. Because either they build, you know, they try and build one monster Franken automation um, that's got a gazillion steps in it, uh, it yeah. and you can't see the whole thing on a single page. Yeah, uh, and you, and you're trying to conceptualize what this automation was meant to do in the first place, or they've you know they've done the way that I prefer is they have modular automations that hand off to each other, which are easier to maintain and easier to report on. Um, but you don't have the mind map of all the you know you're looking at you're looking at one of the automations and there's 10 more in this kind of sequence. And you're like, all right, where are the other nine related ones? So, and, and what's the goal? What's the overall goal of all of these things as well? So um, even if it's just you, I would stress having some sort of documentation plan because gotcha. six months or nine months later, you are going to regret it not having one. I guarantee it. I've been going through one of my old accounts recently since I'm in lockdown, like everybody else. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking at this going, wow, uh, I have no idea what I was thinking when I put this together. <laughs> yes. Right. And you know what? That's a good, that you know what, Barry, let's, let's pause and let everybody know that we are not far from them because I was doing the same thing today. I was going through my custom fields and I had realized that um, I had created all the custom fields in my account at a time where I didn't have a framework for documenting custom fields before I created them. And I was like, Wow. I, first off, I didn't remember what half of these were used for. Yeah. And then a lot of times, if, if, just think about this. Any application, I haven't seen one, one CRM that the custom field next to it, it has any any annotation yeah, or anything. Nothing. And then if you take it a step forward, you don't know where that field is being used. Is it being used in automations? Does it link to something? Does it trigger something? You don't have that level of visibility in any tool. However, I can build that level of visibility in my documentation. Yeah, you know, or you open up an you open up an automation that started with a tag. You know, customer gets tag X, and you're yes. like, "Where the f is tag X <laughs> coming from?" It, like yes. you cannot find where that tag is being applied. You know, it could be it is a sub subset of a or a sub function of some form, or it could be from a landing page or some API yeah. call. And you're like, "Where is this tag coming from?" Yeah. Uh, so, so interlinking, interlinking features and data sets within an application is what is a, is what's hugely missing in the space itself. Now I will say that active campaign and Entreport are leading in that case, you know, Entreport, there's a lot of ways that I can link, click something and go to a place. And then it brings me back. 
you know, so you can kind of like get around to it. Active campaign does the same thing. But overall, I'm not waiting on these platforms to get that right because I can create it right now in my documentation and, and have another thing linked up. Yeah. And another important point is, you know, if the time ever comes where you want to change platforms, there uh, you go. your strategy is not embedded inside somebody else's platform. And you can pick that blueprint up and take it to a different builder and they can build you the same house, you know, in a different on a different yes. lot, in a different location, in a different town. Right. And, Very. Oh, and, so good. So don't create your own handcuffs, people. Um, <laughs> yes. You want to have your, as Chris said in the very beginning, you want to have your strategy and your documentation independent of your tool. I think if you take one lesson away, that's the one to take away. Yeah, I call it platform imprisonment. There, there's yeah. no need to put the handcuffs on yourself, like Barry said, and walk into the prison. Nobody <laughs> would do that. Nobody would do that. And you know what? Sitting around the boardrooms in the strategy of all these software tools, they're trying to figure out exactly how to do that. That's exactly <laughs> how can how can we lock these people in? What's our turn yeah. right now? And how can we lock them in a little bit further? You know, exactly. HubSpot is HubSpot is the leader at that, right? Once you're in oh, HubSpot, man. you might as well just call it a day because you never get oh, there. Yeah, they get you. They're free. Their free comes with a, a hefty price tag later. Yeah. All right, my friend, let's uh, let's uh, quick review to wrap it up. All right. So uh, for those people who have never done this strategy journey before, I think we start with, you know, uh, as you said, people, process and product, you know, who, yeah. who is the market for this? Uh, what is the product you're trying to sell them? And what's the process that we're, we're going to put in place uh, to get them to buy that product or service? Uh, and we didn't really talk about it at but, uh, you know, it's been talked about a lot. You want to try and have a, some minimum viable product to find out if anybody really wants it before you spend too much time building out the rest of this stuff. Um, and then we're going to begin with the end in mind. You know, where, where do, what's the customer journey we want to take these people on? Um, and we've already found out with that minimum viable product whether they want to kind of go on that journey or not. Uh, and then uh, Chris talked about his five fundamental steps. Do you want to just quickly review those, Chris? Yeah, that's how are you generating traffic to your to your to your business? How are you capturing that traffic? Once you have that information, how are you following up with them um, in your follow up? How are you driving them to that sales event where you're going to make the offer? Once you make the offer, how are you taking the money? You know, how are you making that offer and taking the money? How are you converting them to a customer? And then how are you delivering that product? Right. Awesome. And then we talked about, you know, the initial documentation and that we both prefer just the straight up moleskin notebook just because they're cool yes. and they feel nice. Um, if you've never seen one, I urge you to go out and grab one and play around with it. Uh, and, you know, I'm a firm believer that any kind of software tool in this initial process just stifles your creativity and stifles the flow of ideas. So for me and for Chris both, you know, we like to get it out on a notebook, uh, bullet points, squares, boxes, arrows, flows. Um, secondarily, maybe a whiteboard if we need to get customers to visualize something with us as we're talking about it. Um, and then we don't we, we document all that before we even break open a, a single tool. Um, but at some point, you're going to have to document that so you can give it back to your client or your customer or have it for yourself uh, for future reference. So we talked about a few tools in there like Lucidchart, an Airtable, Notion, MindMeister, any mind mapping tool, you know, Google Docs for, you know, cop writing copy and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. One, one other one that's come up a lot, Barry, that I didn't mention is Miro. It used to be called, um, uh, what is it? I forgot the name of it already. M-I-R-O. 
a real-time board. It used to be called real-time board. Oh, I know right. a lot of people are using uh, Miro now. But yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'll check that out. Uh, real-time board. Um, and then you want to make sure that once that documentation is in place, everybody agrees on what the blueprint looks like before the bulldozers show up and start churning the ground <laughs> to build your house, right? Um, yes. It, you know, when the when the house is halfway built, it's the wrong time to say, oh, no, we wanted it near the back of the lot, not the front of the lot, right? So um, once everyone's agreed on the strategy, then that strategy document becomes a living document uh, or a living documentation uh, that somebody needs to be responsible for uh, yeah. so that it doesn't instantly become out of date two days after you create it. Uh, and it's something you should refer back to all the time for your customer journey uh, and for what you're trying to build and for what you have built. And if you make a change in the tool, uh, go back and, ref and change that document. And then lastly, uh, that owner should be doing periodical reviews once a quarter uh, or, or you know, once every six months to make sure because, hey, the market changes, right? That customer journey may change. Like the market dramatically changed in the last two weeks. You know, is your, yeah. is your marketing still keeping up? <laughs> I, saw, I saw some Facebook ads just yesterday for some guy who's, who's running webinars on how to be a, you know, skills to be a public speaker. And I'm like, I don't know if there's a lot of public speaking going on at the moment. <laughs> All um, right. Right. So you want to review that marketing and that customer journey on a regular basis because the market can change, the customer can change, lots lots can change. Uh, did we miss anything, Chris? Anything, any parting words we want to throw in there? That's 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 great. That's a great comprehensive wrap up. Um, just highlighting documentation, uh, please just document it when you do it. That's just if you if you practice that, it is the best practice that you can have. It is your insurance and your security as an upcoming expert in the automation space that you all are, um, please document it when you do it. And the one major takeaway is hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Um, uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, get involved with you. Have you, have uh, you helped them with strategy? Where's the best place I can do that? Yeah. Um, automation bridge is my website, everybody, um, automationbridge.com, And you can access all of the resources that I have. Um, if you want to just get started with engagement marketing, it's just kind of like the entry point into marketing. I've got a quick crash course that you can go through, learn how to capture leads and engage with them immediately. Um, I'll make that available to you all, um, at automationbridge.com forward slash Barry. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes for this episode over at theactivemarketer.com uh, and just click on the podcast links. All right, my friend, always great to talk to you. Always enjoy it. Uh, you're always a breath of fresh air in the marketing space. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us and sharing your wisdom and keep safe. Thank you, Barry. You do the same. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com. Boom and clear. We got it. It, it took yeah. us two days and eight tries. Hey, man. <laughs> we got it. Nothing good happens on the first go, right? That's it, man. We Zombies have not destroyed the podcast. <laughs> They tried. Right.